Yeah. Um, let's see, I'm just writing that down so I don't call on you next week. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> just as kind of a, a background, Anthony Sweat, uh, professor BYUI or BYU, sorry, and um, yeah, teaches at Education Week. That's where I first got to know him and um, uh, written quite a few uh, little, they're usually fairly little books, but um, I find them so valuable. Uh, these two, the Holy Invitation and the Holy Covenants, uh, were game changers for me. Uh, looking into the endowment, studying out the symbolism and and things, uh, I really love the way that he teaches. Um, uh, in these two books, the the two parables that we're studying tonight, um, I found those very interesting. What he includes, what he doesn't include, uh, what he chooses to emphasize uh, to get our our minds kind of uh, rolling in that direction and and seeing what we can. Uh, deepen in our knowledge and understanding of the endowment. So just kind of throwing it out there for, for everybody that, that's read, what stood out to you um, kind of in, in general with these two parables? Um, did you enjoy them? Uh, were they uh, insightful? Uh, how did they play off each other? Just anything. What, what did you guys get out of them? I'm sure that we're kind of low in numbers tonight. I, I might <laughs> take over. So I'm going to try to shut up the best I can. <laughs> I found these very interesting where, um, with the commoner and the king, uh, the invitation, preparation, and actually coming into the king's presence, uh, a very great overview of uh, the endowment. Um, whereas like the white coat parable is an interesting um, paradigm of, okay, so now that I've been endowed, how do I grow into the white coat type of thing? And uh, how that takes uh, years of, of practice and uh, the art of becoming uh, is very interesting versus where we don't get that in the commoner and the king so much. And so I think they play very separate but equal roles in um, coming to understand the endowment and covenants and, and what we're doing. <clears throat> and then with the, the commoner and the king, I found that interesting where he's actually coming into the king's presence and um, receiving gifts and being taught and instructed by him, uh, where uh, we typically don't focus on that in our endowment, right? Uh, we we approach the veil, we enter into the celestial kingdom, and sometimes we're in and out of there just as, <laughs> uh, really fast kind of a thing. And so uh, I found that whole side of that parable very interesting to focus in on. You know, what are we doing? What are we being taught in the endowment um, to actually practice and, and present later as we are seeking the, the face of the Lord? Um, but yeah, I don't even know. I, I think if we kind of start into the commoner and the king, uh, just kind of taking a look uh, as we go through that one, uh, what are some of the fun insights or uh, metaphors that he's using here? Uh, I found it interesting, the, the very first phrase that he pulls out, in the time of kings, there was a commoner named Asher. You know, Anthony's very methodical in, in the way that he's presenting this. Um, and so, like, what is 
the time of kings? And, and how does that apply to, to us in our day as we are receiving the endowment? Are we in the time of kings? And uh, what does that uh, entail for us? Uh, are we commoners? And, and how are we approaching kings? Uh, why does he use the name Asher? Uh, lots of different questions, <laughs> but um, just a second. Oh, Rossanne said that she's going to be gone tonight, so she won't be able to join us. I seen that it was from Rossanne. I was like, oh, maybe she's having a hard time getting on. <clears throat> um, let's see, where was I? So. I found it interesting that Asher is uh, like a mason or uh, working on the the royal courtyard, but uh, never been inside the the actual uh, castle itself or the the inner courtyard. And um, how there was only three groups of people that could ever uh, come in there: it was the king's family, uh, commissioned officers, or special guests who were invited to enter the royal sanctuary and how Asher was none of those, yet he does receive this invitation and, and how all of that plays out. Um, I think it's just interesting to, to know how the process of going to the temple, uh, being chosen to receive the endowment, how that comes about um, and, and how it applies here in, in this parable. So let's see, why do you think that the ring plays so prominent uh, uh, an image here in, in this parable? Because he brings it up uh, two or three times here um, and kind of focuses in on it uh, versus in our actual endowment, we, we typically don't talk about the, the ring that much or the, the symbolism of the ring. Um, Anyway, what what kind of insights and and questions or ideas do you, do you guys have about the the ring in general? What does it mean? What do you think that um, the ring is and and symbolizes? And how do how do we go about uh, that same principle in our ordinances and and reverences? We got a quiet group tonight. <laughs> um, well, I think there were, I didn't read them because I just haven't had time. Mm -hmm. um, but the a ring represents eternity. It's circular and eternity. So that's what I think of when I think of a ring. Uh -huh. um, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> uh -huh. I love that. Um, that. Where is that? Is that King Follett sermon? I think. Anyway, where Joseph Smith uh, takes off his ring and, and says that this is like eternity, how it's one eternal round kind of a thing. Oh, okay. No, I don't recognize. Pretty sure it's, <laughs> it's somewhere. Yes, Joseph Smith reference. <laughs> uh, well. It's just, yeah. We finally quit raining here. It's rained for like six months straight. Yeah. And it's like I had so much yard work to do. It was like, okay, I don't have time to read. I got to get outside <laughs> while it's nice. <laughs> that is one of the bad part of the book club in the summertime oh man yeah. it's, it's a busy one isn't it yeah i totally understand no worries at all um so to kind of go over 
the commoner and the king as, as a summary. Um, so this young man named Asher, well, it doesn't even say young. I So <laughs> scratch that. I am adding my own interpretation to it. So there's this commoner named Asher, and he is uh, a stonemason and is receives a request one day to uh, come before the king. Um, this messenger delivers the, the handwritten invitation, and it was uh, sealed by the king, and uh, says, Asher, son of Matthias, as a reward for your years of devoted service to the crown and for your faithfulness to my commands, I have chosen and found you worthy to be a recipient of my highest award in the kingdom. Becoming a member of the royal order to bestow my blessings upon you, you are hereby invited to meet me in my highest court on Sunday next or Saturday next. And so he goes through this um, excitement, tells his family, the appointed day comes and he goes to the, the castle. And uh, he's kind of wondering, like, am I ready for this? Because uh, once, uh, like this is a, a turning point, once you uh, become a part of the royal order, everybody knows about it, even your enemies. And um, so he uh, gets there and um, presents his identification paper, his invitation, and uh, the attendants uh, help him. So uh, they uh, wash him, uh, even though he, he's well-groomed, uh, they have standards of, of cleanliness and purity. And so uh, he bathes and from, from head to toe and puts on new clothes. Uh, he reaches for his old clothes, but they say, no, no, those aren't uh, necessarily good enough for the, the king's presence. And so um, there's uh, specific vestments, specific clothes that uh, he needs to uh, wear. And then uh, the attendants uh, present him with Simon. So Simon's the one that teaches all of the protocols. So there's lots of different um, reverences and bows and uh, things. You don't just simply walk up and, and greet the king. Um, <clears throat> so he take, they take him to Simon and um, he, he goes through all of that uh, information uh, and teaches and they practice. And then Simon, uh, lines up the, the individuals once all of that instruction has taken place and one by one knocks on the door of the king and lets them in so that they can have a one-on-one -on -one audience with this, uh, the king. Um, and then uh, uh, it kind of comes to the, the point of the story where Asher is now in the presence of the king. He goes through the reverences and bows and the king approaches him and uh, the king gives him this ring and it focuses a lot on that ring. And um, uh, he, he instructs him. The king goes through uh, the teaching about the kingdom in, in general, its inception, its rise, fall, and providential redemption. And um, he uh, tells Asher that uh, to be inducted into this royal order is to... Um, to be able to, to teach others about the kingdom, to, to be an emissary for the king, um, to, uh, quote here, to represent me, the king, accurately, you must know me intimately. And so he invites him to return often uh, so that he can um, uh, be a, a defender of, of the king. And uh, he says that, uh, that he is an heir through the, the blessings of the the royal order of the king 
And Asher asks, uh, an heir of what exactly? And in his final words to Asher, the king simply uh, motions a, across, he go, brings him to a window, uh, motions a, across the, the scene and says, an heir of all that is mine. And that's how it closes out the, the parable. So, um, I mean, that's just a, a real rough <laughs> summary of what the, the commoner and the king is, but uh, kind of going through uh, what it means to have an invitation to meet the king and then to learn how to, and then actually coming into the presence and learning from the king. Um, anyway, I, I think that that's just highly symbolic and um, instructional for us to, to kind of consider ourselves as commoners, consider ourselves as being invited to come unto God to actually have an audience with him, to receive that instruction and be a defender of him to teach other people uh, about this king and this kingdom that, that we are a part of. <clears throat> I found it just a, a very awesome uh, parable structure here, how, how he goes through that. I couldn't really figure out what the invitation was, though. Like, mm -hmm. in relation to us, like, is it just an invitation to go to the temple? Is it an invitation? What is the invitation when it comes to us? Like, Mm -hmm. The prophet gives us invitations to join things. Yeah, uh, President Nelson's <laughs> constantly giving those, isn't he? But I can't really think of any other invitations. Am I way off? Mm -hmm. um, so let me just uh, read that that invitation here in, in the parable structure again. Because yeah. uh, there's some, some interesting words now that you've said that uh, to, to kind of focus in on. It says, as a reward for your years of devoted service to the crown and for your faithfulness to my commands, I have chosen and found you worthy to be a recipient of my highest award in the kingdom, becoming a member of the royal order. To bestow my blessings upon you, you are hereby invited to meet me in my highest court on Saturday next. And so... I think that's interesting because it's it's a few different things. I think uh, an invitation too. Um, it's an invitation to receive the highest award in the kingdom, and also an invitation to be part of the royal order, uh, a member of the the royal order. So you know we have the the holy order of the priesthood after the order of the Son of God, right? And so I think it's very much an induction into that priesthood service both male and female priesthood. okay okay i got you but i couldn't think of it like in a real like in a real relatable way but that, mm -hmm. now that you say that that makes sense i was just thinking like a real invitation we are invited all the time mm -hmm. visitors welcome you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I can see that now Mm -hmm. Yeah, so an invitation to um, to receive the priesthood, uh, which is basically uh, the authority to act in his name, right? To be an emissary and, and perpetuate that, but also the highest award in the kingdom uh, that, um, you know, my work and my glory is to bring to pass the um, <laughs> immortality. Immortality. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, yes. the, the word exaltation <laughs> stuck in my mind, and I'm like, that's not <laughs> it, but that's what I'm 
lips want to say. <laughs> I think it was an invitation to to be invited to the king, and isn't that sort of what a lot of people don't understand? But that's the invitation at the temple is to be able to be brought into the presence of the Lord, mm -hmm. the presence of the king. Yeah. So, and it reminds me so much of the scripture when you were talking about you know he was a faithful. Um, what did it? What I'm not sure how the parable words it, but. He, of his service that he did for the king reminds me of Matthew 25 21 it says the Lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things and I will make thee a ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the Lord and see that's he thanked him for his service to the king his loyalty to the king and then showed him the window from what you said since I didn't read it this is all his and that's what will be ours if we are good and faithful servants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love so that. It's kind of Perfect. like, you know, what we, we can become if we become like God and are taught by the spirit and taught directly by God, um, we can inherit that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a parable of what we can become and because we are, you know, what is it? kings and queens we have that ability to become that mm -hmm. yeah i love that um another thing that that kind of stood out to me was um what the king does once we are in his presence and we do the the proper curtsies and bows and uh reverences that it mentions here in, in the parable form uh but the king teaches him about his kingdom its inception, rise, fall, and providential redemption. And as we've seen, you know, throughout the Abraham book, Isaiah decoded, etc., that when we uh, reach a, a certain level of, of blessedness, right, that the panoramic vision is, is gifted to, uh, to individuals where they see the end from the beginning and see how it all works. Um, the inception being uh, pre-mortal, uh, the council in heaven, the rise, which is the creation, the fall, and that's what it says here, fall, and then providential redemption, which is the atonement. <clears throat> and so he's teaching him about all of these things. Uh, here's what the, the pre-mortal was like, uh, the things that we uh, created, and, and then mankind fell, and then there is this providential redemption. So I think, uh, kind of going along with... Uh, Kathy Barton's question there, what's it an invitation for? I think it's a, an invitation also to receive the, the vision, the, uh, what it all means, putting everything in context and how the endowment uh, goes about doing that. Uh, you know, we, we see the uh, parts of, of pre-mortal and then um, the, the creation and fall are, are often... Uh, the, the main focus, right, of, of an endowment ceremony throughout uh, the restoration here. Um, and uh, and then teaching about Christ and the the redemption and how that, that plays into to all of that. So I think it's a, a kind of a, a threefold invitation to to receive the priesthood, receive authority to uh, to act in in God's name, and then to learn about the plan. And how we fit into the plan, how everybody else fits into the plan, 
and then an invitation to actually become an emissary and um, and to to teach others with that full power to now reach down, help the next person receive that same uh, that same blessing in their life, kind of a thing. And 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 what else? Said, like all of that, uh, kind of under the umbrella of here's here's the invitation to to see God to to interact with Him face to face. Um, I was reading Journey to the Veil uh, two this week, and uh, uh, somewhere around chapter four, it could be before, it could be after. Um, but uh, he's talking about the timing of of blessings in this life, and he's like, if you honestly don't believe that you can receive certain things until the celestial kingdom, well, that's when you're going to receive them because that's what your belief system is um, expecting and, and set around. Um, but if you have a belief system that you can receive it as soon as you can, then then you can bring uh, the timing closer. And so, um, I, you know, I'm not wording it at all how John was uh, saying it, but yeah, he, he's very eloquent in, in the way that he presents that. But um, if you don't believe that it can happen now, then it's not going to happen now. That's like uh, one of the the limiting factors. And so um, helping rend that veil of unbelief is, I think, what the invitation kind of is uh, to us as well. Hey, the king isn't just some mystical far off uh, person that somehow keeps the kingdom intact. Uh, you can actually come into his presence, learn from him, receive the authority, and actually be um, a teacher emissary for him kind of a thing so i don't know it seems like it's a a lot of different things but i don't know how to <laughs> summarize it i've jabbered enough cameron i think yeah. it's like most parables there's different layers yeah of where and where you're at in that layer you know is it that invitation is for you at that level Mm -hmm. yeah can you all hear uh my mom here and yeah yeah okay <clears throat> hi darlene <laughs> hello <laughs> yeah. yep and this is jamie hello mm -hmm. hi jamie hi um and then um not to totally take a break from that one but to kind of give a synopsis of the white coat parable so here we have regina james she's a, uh, a young lady that is going into medical school it's been her dream and so um uh, finally after she scores on the mcat etc uh, she receives the acceptance letter uh, to the medical college um what is the school name? I don't know if it says. Anyway, she receives the letter from the Medical College Admissions Committee and says that uh, she has been accepted. So the first thing that, that happens is a white coat ceremony um, for these doctors. Um, it's where the medical students take a Hippocratic Oath, which is a covenant and promise of core principles to guide them throughout their professional lives. Um, they... 
again, just trying to, to summarize here. Um, so she, the, the speaker, the, the person presenting the, the white coat ceremony is um, talking about all of the path that is ahead of them, that this is just the beginning. You know, uh, you're going to have uh, your, your coursework, your anatomy courses, your clinical clerkships, internships, uh, four years of, of merely preparing for the medical residency, let alone any specialization. And <clears throat> she says, do you feel a bit intimidated? And she says, good, you should. As I said, you are not doctors, not yet. While we congratulate you on being found worthy and accepted to study, don't confuse capacity with ability. You have the first, you will spend a lifetime earning the second. And so um, uh, they are dressed. They, they don't put on their white coats by themselves. They are actually dressed um, and the white coat is put upon them. And she says that these white coats are physical symbols of the values and responsibilities of medicine. And so after they um, take their, their Hippocratic oath uh, to do no harm and to uh, have good repute and um, uh, have happiness and everything that, that's contained therein, um, says that you now have your white coats and all that they symbolize, now go and grow into them. Young physicians in training, uh, it's a privilege to, to wear these coats, but um, that, it, that it takes a lot of time to actually become uh, what those symbolize. And so uh, it goes through a, a series of uh, different uh, snippets of her life where uh, she has learning curves. Um, there's uh, some uh, doctor that doesn't follow protocol and um, because he's in a hurry and the, the patient uh, suffers and uh, and so they, they have a teaching moment. Hey, the procedures are there for a reason. That's why we keep to them. And then uh, another snippet later on where um, there is a, an alcoholic that um, is causing self-harm, you know? Like, she's like, why should we keep helping a person that isn't helping themselves? And so another learning curve where uh, a mentor steps in and teaches her a valuable lesson about a doctor how that doesn't, it's not for us to judge, but it's for um, us to, to heal. And so she was uh, focusing on the wrong things. And so <clears throat> then another snippet uh, later on, this is uh, four years uh, of residency. She found herself mentoring uh, another doctor who um, is grumbling and, uh, wanting to, to take the quick way around things. And she's telling him now, hey, you signed up to be a doctor, not to uh, just uh, have it easy. And then a dozen years later, um, she herself is the associate dean at the College of Medicine. She had found her way and she is now giving the white coat ceremony to others uh, as they are embarking on the journey themselves. So have these two parables, one that's like invitation, come into the presence of the king kind of a thing. And then the white coat parable, which is kind of the endure to the end principle, right? Okay, yeah, we've been endowed with power. Now what? 
Like we have to grow into our, our white coats, become the doctors that uh, we have taken an oath to become and, and how that works and, and what we are uh, looking at uh, for the future. I mean, it, it takes a long time. There's uh, the, the coursework, the, the residencies, all of the internships as well as specialties um, and how that applies to us in our lives once we do receive the proper symbolic elements of, of graduation, uh, of acceptance, and how we become doctors and um, start healing people kind of a thing. Anyway, general thoughts, questions, uh, parts that you want to kind of dive into, and maybe we can like read some of those sections uh, in their, their fullness there too. <clears throat> so um in comparison when do we get our white coats is white the white coats just going to the temple or is the white coat actually making it to the celestial kingdom so i interpret it as the the actual um initial part so i think it's kind of a, a joint uh, effort with initiatory and endowment, you know, because initiatory is the endowment is just a separated for the convenience right. now, but um, receiving the garment, receiving the, the robes of, of the priesthood um, and how those are preparatory uh, to our learning, right? Uh, these medical physicians grow into their white coats. Uh, you know, how many of our initiates in in the gospel uh, as we go and uh, get endowed are are fully ready to act in in the the fullness of the gospel and in, in all the powers of the priesthood um it it's very much a okay i've got the the symbolic elements now i grow into them learn how to use them and and what they can uh no what i can do through the the symbolism of of what those uh, mean kind of a thing that's how I take it anyway yeah. Yeah. I believe you're right <laughs> we do concur Just to throw okay. something out there <laughs> I love it <laughs> but yeah um so let me just read this Hippocratic oath that, that's presented here. Now, I'm I'm not medical. I'm, I'm not sure if this is like the full Hippocratic oath or not. I I should brush up on that. Um, you should tell all the doctors what it is and remind all the doctors about that Hippocratic oath. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a good refresher. Oh, maybe we shouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so she has all of them arise and um, in our profession, it is a custom established thousands of years ago that nobody may be admitted to its honors who has not first expressly undertaken its obligations. Now, therefore, I call upon you to take the oath of Hippocrates. Repeat after Hippocrates, Hippocrates, I don't know how to pronounce that. Anyway, repeat after me. I do solemnly swear by whatever each of us holds most sacred that I will be loyal to the profession of medicine and just and generous to its members, that into whatsoever home I shall enter shall be for the good of the sick and to the well, no, 
and the will to the utmost of my power, and that I will hold myself aloof from wrong and from corruption and from tempting others to vice, that I will exercise my art solely for the cure of my patients and the prevention of disease, and will give no drugs and perform no operation for a criminal purpose, and far less suggest such a thing. That whatsoever I shall see or hear of the lives of men and women, which is not fitting to be spoke, I will keep inviolably secret. These things I do promise, and in proportion, as I am faithful to this oath, may happiness and good repute be ever mine, the opposite if I shall be forsworn. These things I do promise, and I don't know, it just says the students concluded. <clears throat> so I find that very interesting. You know, as symbolism, as we uh, kind of take a look at that and uh, apply it to our own endowment, um, it's interesting that I will be loyal to the profession of medicine. And so it's not, I will be loyal to the, the chief surgeon uh, at my hospital. I, I will be loyal to the patient or anything like that. I will be loyal to the profession, which is uh, kind of an interesting uh, way to, to look at, at loyalty. That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'll be loyal to the profession of medicine and just and generous to its members. You know, so that phrase can kind of ring true to us in, in some of the phrases of the, the Temple Endowment. Um, that into whatsoever home I shall enter, it shall be for the good of the sick and the well. And so I, I think that's interesting how, you know, typically we think about doctors just like we go to them, but yet, um, especially, you know, back with uh, Hippocrates that, um, you know, traveling, going into the home kind of a thing and, and how that applies to uh, the, the order of the priesthood and uh, ministering, et cetera, uh, how we are going to the sick and the well and using that power for good. Uh, holding myself aloof from wrong and from corruption, from tempting others to vice. Um, no criminal activity, obviously. Um, pretty self-evident. And um, this phrase I, I found interesting. That whatsoever I shall see or hear of the lives of men and women, which is not fitting to be spoke, I will keep inviolably secret. And I don't know, this one's just been kind of like hitting me lately with... Um, I should have like thought this through and phrased it better, but um, how as we are ministering, right? So uh, looking at Isaiah's ladder, for example, when we are being ministered to and as we are ministering on, how we are not to, to judge in any sense of, uh, uh, of the way, like throughout the, the parable here, um, it keeps getting uh, retaught to Regina how you're in the the art of medicine well the art the profession of medicine we're not judging people we're just healing and so um, as we are advancing in our worship of of God uh, we are assuming uh, higher laws, uh, step by step, right? You know, it's not just like from this to that, but we have a, an increased 
obedience and sacrifice structure um, as we as we learn eternity and and not to be judging or putting those specific ideals or laws upon others who haven't entered into that yet um the the guy with the cirrhosis of liver here in in this uh parable like why should we help somebody that's not going to help themselves like i <laughs> like i know better but why why keep healing him if he's just going to fall into his same pit over and over again and so this phrase here that whatsoever i shall see or hear of the lives of men and women which is not fitting to be spoke i will keep inviolably secret as we are ministering we have like a sacred obligation to have full love and charity and and remove all prejudice and judgments out of the way i mean yes we we judge righteous judgment right you know because as we we see things we step in and, and help kind of a thing but um but not to be gossiping or or sharing or doing things that uh would end up hurting in in the long run kind of a thing anyway i found that kind of an interesting thing that that took on new dimensions as i was uh listening to, to this parable and especially this this oath that, that they're taking here um and that it, it kind of ends with with this uh phrase that um i do promise and in proportion as i am faithful to this oath may happiness and good repute be ever mine the opposite if i shall be forsworn so i mean that's what the whole plan is about isn't it about joy and happiness and and making it back to the presence of god and um that they do that they promise it in proportion to their faithfulness to the actual oath um and anyway i i just found that whole hippocratic oath very interesting in light of our covenants uh next time i'm going through an endowment i'm, I'm going to kind of review that uh part of this parable and just kind of have that in the forefront of my mind uh, see what additional insights come to but uh, anyway i found that very interesting cameron as you were just talking about that i was thinking that we kind of have that same obligation as we're learning these higher things to not share them with others that aren't ready for them because it could end up hurting them you know they're not ready yet so i kind of likening that to what you were just talking about there mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> like i don't sometime this past week or something some meme or video clip or something um about these people that come into the er and they're like hey I have these symptoms. I Googled it. I'm going to die. Like you need to admit me right now kind of a thing. And she's like, Oh, you Googled it. Like then it, then it must be real kind of a thing. And it, it's just kind of a, a funny take on, on like what my mom was just saying, where if we are as doctors explaining all of the jargon and, and all of the, <laughs> the intensity of, of medicine, to a common person that just has uh, an illness that needs taken care of, it, it might overwhelm, right? Uh, versus that's kind of the, the danger of technology and internet and 
the ease of Google searches. <laughs> you're taking all of that knowledge and you're assuming that that's applicable to you without being a doctor yourself. And sometimes it might cause more harm than, <laughs> than good. And that's just like one anecdotal <laughs> side part. Yeah. Of Another part too is like every doctor isn't a good doctor. Like you can have the coat. <laughs> Sorry, not trying to be offensive to anybody, but just a coat doesn't mean you're really a great doctor. Mm -hmm. And I liked how it says in the bottom of 47 in the holy invitation, it says, frankly, because, oh, they, it says, why are, um, why these, hold on, let me find where we are. It's talking about the symbols and imagery and um ritual to communicate spiritual knowledge is talking about that like why do we have that and it says frankly because they're good at teaching and you can't be a lazy learner with symbols imagery and ritual ritual you have to figure things out as they lie hidden in plain sight the lord explained his rationale for puzzling tech teaching technique to his disciple because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given. Therefore, therefore speak I them in parables, because they they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So even if you get the white coat, or even if you get the if you get the robes and you go through the initiatory and go through that. We still have to really work at it. And doctors still really have to work at it. They have to keep up with all the new stuff. And like, you can have a really good doctor and have horrible bedside manners and <laughs> not really that great of a doctor. Like, yeah. I, I really, I mean, it's taken me years and years and years of sitting in the endowment just thinking, like, I, I enjoy the spirit there, but I, ha I have to admit, it's taken a lot of years to really appreciate it and get it. Like I get the video, the video makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And all of this other stuff we do, it made sense, but it's taken a lot of work to really put it together. Yeah. And to be really honest, I didn't even like the temple when I first went. I was like, I was glad to be there and I knew it was special and sacred. Mm -hmm. but it was like i gotta find a babysitter i gotta run to the temple and you're rushing and you get all your stuff and you put all these on the like, <laughs> chore. it's just like this is just it just then i sit down and i'm just exhausted i fall asleep <laughs> like it's a lot of work to me to sit there and not fall asleep just because it's like dark and quiet yeah like, <laughs> when um, you finally don't have all the pressures and kids screaming yeah, like, it's like ah. you just fall asleep and like okay then the lights go on okay now where are we but like we it's you get at as much as you put into it and i just i don't think i put any much into it when i a couple of years ago i kept having the holy ghost kept telling me i need to work at the temple and i was like i don't even like the temple i don't i don't want to go work at the temple Mm -hmm. But it kept telling me you need to work at the temple. And I was like, well, I'll probably just make me work in the kitchen, but fine, I'll just go work at the temple. <laughs> anyway, um, and now I can testify that the temple changes you. Like it totally 
going there every Saturday at four o'clock totally changed me just being there I I was just a guide I didn't I wasn't a endowment worker but just to be in a, the holy house every week completely changed me and and I love it now and mm. and I would say to people welcome to the temple and I would get tears in my eyes like I would just like have a frog in my throat like welcome to the temple like I was just it was so special to me and it changed my heart just being there. I didn't even, all I did was say hi to people. Like really, I didn't do anything. I mostly just found husbands and wives and tried to help them find each other. Like that's really <laughs> all I did was find husbands and wives. But it totally, just the spirit there. And um, and then when the St. George Temple closed, um, while, you know, while they're doing the renovation, like I just, I just miss it so bad. It's like, I miss it more than I miss anything. Like I just, well, I miss it more than I miss my Coca-Cola that I'm trying not to drink. <laughs> like I just really, really, really miss it. And um, it's just really hard. Like we can't get into the, to the Cedar City Temple very easily. And I just cannot wait for November when we can just like walk into a temple. Just I can just walk in any day I want, anytime I want, just walk in. I have an invitation, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. just like, it's just like so special to me now. And like, I see it so completely different. And really it's just spending the time there. It's not even, it's not even that I was looking. It was just being in the Holy House that often mm -hmm. and I just testify that that was just a whole totally a game changer for me so yeah. anyway. I love that <clears throat> but but yeah that that principle that you said like of yeah you can have the white coat but some people just haven't grown into it yet and that that process of becoming yeah like President Nelson says you know the the building of these temples uh, might not change your life, but your time in them surely will, like you testified there. That's exactly right. Growing into it, learning what that means, and and how President Nelson has given us lots of different invitations and challenges of, hey, hear him. The Lord does his teaching in the temple. Yeah, your time spent there will uh, teach you how to, to communicate with him. And like in the, the commoner parable, um, let's see. So Simon is instructing all of the initiates how to approach uh, the king. Um, and I think that this uh, applies directly to that, how to grow into the white, white coats here. So um, Simon proceeded to teach the initiates how to approach their king and properly come into his presence. They were small but significant items of instruction, such as the proper depths of bows, appropriate and inappropriate communications, how to rightly ask the king a question and receive an answer, approved and disapproved actions, such as never turning your back towards the king, and required statements to show faithfulness and loyalty. And he says that these are not arbitrary guidelines, although you may not initially comprehend their significance, each of these in their own way just demonstrates reverence, obedience, and commitment to the king. Then when Asher is actually in the presence of the king, uh, he's knocked on the door, announced, and um, Asher began his observances. 
bowing and reverencing step by step as instructed as he approached the king. After proclaiming his oath of loyalty, Asher made his final bow and held out his hand according to Simon's instructions. Asher waited somewhat unsettled, not only because he did not know what to expect next, but also because he was still a few feet away from the king. As he waited, still bowed before the king, he heard movement, followed by footsteps. He realized that the king was coming to him. Asher kept his head low and his arm outstretched as instructed. Suddenly, he saw feet of the king stop directly in front of him. When the king extended his hand and told him to arise and look upon me. And so that there's all of these bows and reverences and ways to approach royalty, our king, that may not we may not be accustomed to as, as commoners, right? We have to be instructed in those. And looking at the endowment proper as, you know, there's there's lots of oaths and covenants and promises and blessings and all of these things. How to approach God, how to grow into the white coat, but yet then it comes time to actually perform those things. What does it look like to to live the law of sacrifice in, in its fullest measure, you know, and we might fail a thousand times and learn a little bit each time we do. Uh, what does it look like to, to be strictly obedient? You know, as uh, John Pontius talks about in uh, Triumph of Zion and Journey to the Veil and uh, following the light of Christ into his presence, you know, what does quick and exact obedience look like and how do we incorporate those principles into our life what does it look like to to live the law of the gospel consecration chastity it's time to to grow into the white coat but um you know like like kathy said some of the doctors just don't have good bad bedside manner yet but that as we grow (laughs) ever they might not get that point and, I do you know, like doctors. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, like sometimes as we, we look around at other initiates, right? Um, people who've been through the temple and sometimes you're like, haven't they been endowed? Don't they know better? You know, sometimes they don't have good bedside manner or or this or that. And then we look mm-hmm. at, at the same uh, introspection here and go, okay, now how can I become a better doctor as well? Because I do this and this wrong and that's probably not the greatest thing. And um, but what's it all for is to actually, when we are then in the throne room and approaching, that we perform all of the bows and reverences with exactness so that we can ask and actually receive. Um, and I don't know, it's just interesting, the, this process of, of growing into to the white coat. You know, how many of our ordinances do we enter into fully knowing everything like you know we baptize eight-year-olds and i mean are are they for all of the covenants no but we grow into them we make the promises and uh, perform the ordinances and then uh comes the time to actually put these things in into practice and and you know perfection isn't required as we are growing but that is the goal uh, to get better and better and so that we can become these master physicians uh, specializing in um, in the art of, of healing. Do you think when we meet God, we're going to have a, somebody there knocking and helping us in case we make a mistake? <laughs> like, I'm, no, I'm serious. Like, am I going to have somebody to go, I forgot. 
there's one part I always mess up on. Well, there'd be somebody that I can go, I forgot. <laughs> um, the other thing too, I was thinking is it's just like everything else with Heavenly Father, how he doesn't, he's a respecter of persons where he doesn't put things on us unless we ask. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, the Holy Ghost doesn't come unless we're worthy or he doesn't push things on us until we are until we make an effort you know yeah um he's always gonna be honored huh yeah and for sure in the temple that's true like i've sat there lots of times just thinking what the heck is this really about and i've been a member my whole entire life but i was just thinking what the heck like it's just if you guys probably are judging me don't judge me (laughs) but like and I've always been a really spiritual person, but I guess I just, just wasn't smart enough to figure a lot of it out. <laughs> I just like, I just don't get all this stuff. And mm-hmm. especially some of the clothes just really puzzled me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. then as I'm growing, like it makes perfect sense now. And I appreciate it. And I, like I said, I love it. But um, I think it does take until you spend a lot of time there a lot of people probably get caught off i know a lot of people that got caught off the first time i guess the invitation you know they got the invitation but then didn't feel good enough like they were good enough at the dinner just to go to another dinner right Mm -hmm. yeah and like that part that you read from the book there where you know especially us westerners like we're not versed in symbolism you know, but (laughs) there's great purpose in uh, the language of symbolism so that it's in plain view. I mean, it it can be interpreted many different ways and uh, the the Lord can communicate so much better to our hearts and minds than some of our constraints or traditions or or what have you with with language that uh, symbolism is key. Yet, I mean, that's probably the biggest hindrance that I experienced uh, going through my first time, like I didn't know any of the symbolism and it was all pretty weird. And so like, it's just interesting how the Lord loves to do his own teaching in his own house, but sometimes you got to learn the language first before you can even (laughs) get there. I think for me, it would have been better just to go alone with like just my mom, but to have like my whole family there and everybody watching, I was just nervous. And just like they just, I don't feel like they taught us very well. They prepare the, them a lot better now, I feel like. But mm-hmm. I just didn't feel, I was very, you know, I was worthy or whatever, but I was, didn't feel, I was way above my head. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, me and my dad serve in the temple. We just started, but I, it's so interesting, like the instruction of, um, helping people through especially for their first time and stuff of like for some reason there's this big fear or this big stigma of making a mistake or not repeating or not dressing properly or like all of these different things right yeah there is as we are helping people to keep that in mind that there is that hesitation that stigma that oh nervousness of of being perfect and to just be overly compassionate to to help people all along the way and have no uh, sort of judgment or even 
put on the airs of like, seriously, like <laughs> I've seen you here every single week and you still don't know how to do this type of thing versus just full love, full compassion uh, as we are helping each other up this ladder, uh, help, growing into all of these, these grand blessings and stuff. But like you said, <laughs> how, you know, it, there's such a kind of pressure, especially your first time with all of your family. Oh, everybody's <laughs> watching you. And yeah. I told you that I was thought that we had to dance when we got there. So I was so scared. I didn't know. How to, I thought the first circle was like a, like a prayer dance. <laughs> I thought we had to dance. That was yeah. a nervous wreck. Like, like, but like I like just like this story though, this parable, like the kid, the, you know, the is he a kid? Well, he's not a kid, but the guy is, you know, I he doesn't know what to wear. He doesn't like why are we why do I have to get all dressed up and how do I, you know, bow or whatever? But then right here it says on page 51, what do the temples orderly? orderliness and cleanliness help you feel what does what sorry what do its workers help you feel <laughs> what <laughs> what does the clothing help you feel what does the instruction help you feel what helps you feel cl clean pure and worthy what helps you feel god's love like i think i think that is i wish i would have thought of that earlier like mm -hmm. i don't know I don't know. It's just I. One of the things also that's really helped me is uh, listening to a video about how similar our temple is to King Solomon's temple. Like a lot of the stuff is the same exact. I think had I known that and like really thought deep about it years ago, it would have been really helpful. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah>. And <laughs> so had now my, with, had with my all parents that. maybe clue me in a little bit, like you had somebody <laughs> like, come on, God. <laughs> yeah and now as you are preparing other people to to go through like what would you have taught yourself <laughs> as you're going through and like you know kind of help other people along their way of okay now there's no dance so yeah and, and, oh don't worry about that we don't dance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you guys i know how nerdy i am <laughs> No, no, no. I, I just genuinely want to know where that came from because that's awesome. I heard about prayer circle and I thought it was like a rain dance, like dancing. I don't know. Prayer circle sounded like dancing. I don't know. Uh -huh. kid, yeah, like probably. old British Regency dancing. <laughs> I just kept thinking, I can mix up with my left and right. When do I do a <laughs> Anyway, um, I, I I do love that. I love this book. Is really, it really makes you contemplate and think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I highly recommend these books. Uh, they're they're amazing to, to really ponder on on those things. Um, uh, Al posted a, a book here or study manual anyway. Um, well, I, have I think it's one. an unblog my soul Facebook group. I'm not positive. I had to go look to see where it was the other day. Um, I think that's where it is. It might be in Moss's group. Uh, I'm not positive, but I think it's in Unblog My Soul. Uh huh. And it's called. Um, and if you just, yeah, if you just look up the poster's name, what what's his name? Um, Kevin Ball. You can find it that way. 
Interesting. Yeah. I'm he wrote it in about 67 pages. It's got some interesting insights and then it has some thoughtful questions that are pretty deep and hard to answer. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm not sure I can answer the things he's asked. He, he explains things sort of a little bit with a sign of parables and stuff and then asks some questions. And I'm like, hmm, and I haven't made it all the way through yet, but it looks very good. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Finally found yeah. it. Um, let me download that. What things have helped you the most learning things at the temple, like books or actually just like when you're there, like personal revelation or like what has helped you like get where you are? Like uh, I would I like to ask the group. Yeah, for me, it's kind of a mix of all those that you mentioned. Like books, for sure. I, there's there's a few books that are like high recommendations that I would always recommend going to. But but yeah, sometimes just going with a question for me and expecting an answer. Yeah, usually you get it. I always go for it with a question, but not. It's not usually about the temple. It's like usually about something in my life. But <laughs> like, I have to say though, when we went to that temple, was it the Brigham City Temple? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just overwhelmed with the spirit when I walked in there. It was, it's just so, it's just so beautiful and just the spirit so strong. I just loved it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wish it was a little bit easier to learn. Some of this stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Sometimes learning how the Lord reveals the stuff is, is a learning curve, but yeah, it, very interesting how how the lord teaches uh, it, it's very individualized and and it can't be collective oftentimes right like right. what someone's ready for over here the other person might not be and so it's uh, like you uh, quoted in the book there's symbolism and whoever has eyes to see at any given time can can be able to 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 see that and so often for me anyway it comes down to to praying um with a, a specific question in mind and then praying that that my eyes may be actually opened and take off any blinders of unbelief or what have you and just kind of dive in yeah seeing seeing the endowment in other settings like queen elizabeth's coronation is really fascinating to watch if you're watching it through the eyes of the endowment um Wendy Ulrich has a fascinating book. I can never remember what it's called. Living Up to Your Privileges? No. Um, something about the symbolism of the temple. Yeah, or, the temple experience. The temple something. experience. I think that's what it's And she called. talks about what the animals mean in the video, those kind of things. She really? Works. It's very, very enlightening. And then Alonzo Gaskill has written some fantastic books about it but the snake and the serpent the serpent and the snake what is that one called Cameron the savior, the savior and the serpent and the serpent yeah that one life-changing yeah because that one is an interesting one so the savior and the serpent was his first edition and then he added a whole bunch to it and renamed the book as the truth about Eden so yeah I they're both great yeah both yeah. very great books fantastic uh, but as you read those ones yeah that one, I think, probably taught me the most of 
how to approach the endowment. It didn't just give you all of the symbolism, but it was like, okay, you have to frame yourself as that all of our ordinances are dramatic productions. It's uh, We're putting on a play and there's actors and there's lines to be said, and you have to consider yourself as somebody. Each time you go, there's a different part that you need to be really presenting. And, and I think stop trying to watch it as a historical rendition. Like this isn't, we're not going back in time and actually watching Adam and Eve. We're watching ourselves as right. Adam and Eve in that circumstance. Because I do not think that what they what they portray in the video is actually what happened in Eden, word for word. I think they knew more than what was happening, what we see. I think they were more aware. And anyway, Alonzo Gaskell teaches that really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I've got this PDF, but I thought you could upload it to Zoom, but I guess not. Um, so I'll put it on the Learning Zion site and the Facebook group. And if anybody wants to email me, if they don't see it there, you can get it. But the Peeling the Onion uh, Temple Prep manual that uh, Elle was talking about, it is in the Unblog My Soul Facebook group um, from Kevin Ball. And there's a couple the files other or what? Um, I just, in the group, searched for his name okay. and then brought up his posts. And I would actually look at some of his other ones there because uh, he has uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation, Ferdinand, Zeus, oh, okay. all of those Great. different things there as well. Some fun ones. Thank you. Another book that that dives into like all of that is uh, C. Robert Lyons. Uh, oh, what is the book called? I forget what the book's called. All of a sudden, anyway, C. Robert Lyon. Um, I'll type his name in the chat there um but he has a book uh, talking about all of the different like coronation things from around the world and how they apply to our endowment and stuff um anyway any other thoughts final comments questions on uh these parables if not we'll you know another thing to think about is is how many people have the invitation and don't use it. Like imagine really being invited by a king to a dinner and you just like didn't open the envelope. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just failed to open the envelope or failed to respond that you were coming or just not show up or stand him up. Like mm -hmm. when you look at or it that way. I think it's a joke like, oh, that's not real. Like the queen's not really inviting me. Yeah. Or to just miss like the time, the occasion of your life, and in reality, it is the occasion of your life. Mm -hmm. That that would be like so sad, and yet we do it. I mean, I yeah, I love I love the temple now, but I've missed it for lots of years. I missed it. Yeah, That's I didn't funny. open the envelope. I left the envelope <laughs> closed. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, again, just kind of a, a recap for the upcoming weeks with, with the lectures on faith. 
So we're going to be taking a look at the School of the Prophets for the first four weeks, uh, diving into lots of different specifics about um, kind of the structure, where the lectures come from, uh, how they're presented, etc. Um, so there's three articles uh, to read for, for next week. Again, they're really pretty small. The, the one's a little bit longer, but um, I've got that in that schedule that I emailed out. If you need me to email it again, let me know. Um, but anyway, so we're going to start off next week uh, kind of with the background of School of the Prophets in general, and then the next week uh, diving into the, the ordinance of the washing of the feet, salutations, etc., uh, kind of progressing there and uh, anyway for four weeks we're going to be doing that and then diving into the the lectures um, text the text of the lectures themselves um, so I've got I'm working on revamping the learning Zion site uh, to make the uh, lectures on faith just a little bit more prominent because um, as we are uh, reading and and searching and, and learning um, if you have any, handy websites or articles or, or things, I highly encourage sharing those with the rest of the group uh, during the week as they come up. Um, and since not everybody's on Facebook, I would say probably 75% uh, is, but uh, that leaves out the, the rest. So I'm trying to make the, the homepage of Learning Zion a lot easier um, to, to follow week by week uh, through the lectures on faith as we're um, going through that. Um, uh, I'll be posting all of the links uh, each week to the reading assignments, but highly encouraging everyone to uh, contribute anything else that they find as well, bringing that forward. But yeah, it, it's been so fun to study President Nelson's words and then kind of some fun couple of weeks on <laughs> some of these random topics here um, before we head into these lectures, because the, the lectures are, are so impactful uh there there's a lot of power and and learning to to come through those yes it is a lot of work <laughs> but uh I, I i know we're all up to it uh as we go through there there's there's lots of blessings that the lord has in, in store for for each of us um but uh yeah uh, timing <laughs> it's interesting uh summertime is is often the hardest time to uh to do a lot of reading and, and stuff but um anyway Hopefully, I've, I've broken it down to those 13 weeks to make it a little bit more manageable. But anyway, it's going to be fun. Any comments or questions on, on lectures on faith or anything in, in general there? If oh, not, I don't think so. I'll see everyone next week for our first week. It feels like we're embarking on a new school year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get my yeah. backpacks, all my school shopping yeah. done. <laughs> what teacher did you get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Cameron. Hey, and another thing is, I think that this is just my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. That Sunday class can really just be one class. Like that worked out really good. Yeah. And it, give it really yourself did. a break because you don't need to do two classes <laughs> on Sunday if you don't have to. A lot of people don't talk, so it's okay if it, there's a lot of people on there. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's interesting since um, there are there's some that can only do the A and some that can only do the B. But if we like met in the middle and did it yeah. like at seven o'clock, 
It's hard wonder. to just do one video and turn it off and start over again. That's a lot. That's hard. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, we might consider that because there's um, a few from our Isaiah decoded that uh, possibly want to do a Saturday one as well. So it might be interesting to, to combine the, the Sunday ones. I haven't been able to do any of the foreign nation. I feel so bad because I wanted it so bad, but it's 1030 in the morning doesn't work. But I've been listening uh, to the videos. So uh -huh. what? But uh, I don't also have the book either. I listened to it, but I'd love to have a book. Yeah, if we could ever get them. Exactly. Yeah, I keep asking for them, and they're they're not any closer than they were a long time ago. You haven't found any used ones anywhere anymore. I haven't. No. Um. Let's see. But I I do have those PDFs, so I have everybody has requested them. So maybe I'll break down and actually print some copies off, <laughs> so that people can have them. But there's so many. Mm -hmm. it's yeah. A huge book. Uh, but but I, you, I do have a new printer. It's it's fairly reasonable price to print some out and stuff. So, well, yeah. all of us would for sure pay, you know, whatever yeah. it costs. But if we could get our hands on it, you wouldn't, you know, you <laughs> I know. wouldn't do it. But it's like, and a lot of things you can't learn is good without looking at it, you know? Right. Yeah. I, like I find that like, I have it. to have it in front of me so I can like stop and like actually take notes and. Come I kind of like to do both, like listen and then you read it and like, oh, wow, look at that. Like, because you mm -hmm. can't do it things, but yeah, yeah that's a, yeah. been a fun, it's been fun listening to the videos, but I feel like I've been left out and I haven't been able to do the ham radio either. Mm -hmm. I just can't keep up with all of it. You guys are rock stars. I don't know how you do it all. You're putting you through your paces, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> you work so we are doing you really ham radio this Saturday if, yeah. Uh, if you are able to make it but um, it's at the 10 30 is there like a better time that, that works for you on saturdays i just work all i just work too much it's not uh, your it's not your deal oh no I, I, just I, just work I just work too much i usually start about nine or ten so i try to kind of take off but i just can't get people in if i take off so yeah that's okay for sure so I appreciate your help. So mm -hmm. yeah, no problem. Yeah, we'll we'll try to figure out. Maybe I'll send out like kind of a a questionnaire like on timeframes and schedules and stuff, and see if we can combine the Sunday things together, and then revamp whatever we're doing on Saturdays. And uh, well, kind of I have to tell to... you, I have to give you just one piece of motherly advice. I'll just pretend I'm darling, <laughs> but the the group leader has to do what's best for the group leader because you're doing a lot so well yeah but, I'm also a nerd, so. <laughs> but what <laughs> i'm also a nerd that likes to people please right so <laughs> yeah but you need to be a recovery people pleaser like me <laughs> yeah all right yeah. well thank you <laughs> all right yep all right. we'll see y'all later. later bye you guys bye.